I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. The dawning of a brighter day. A new temple comes to Haiti. KSL traveled there for the temple dedication. And Mary Richards was there. Listen now for her special look at the temple on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome to this special hour from Haiti, a nation that has known a lot of hardship that now has a reason to celebrate. A new temple has come to Haiti, and with it comes hope of a brighter future. In this hour, you'll hear from church members who prayed for it, from the people who helped build it, and from the youth who say it will change their nation. Haiti is a nation of color, noise, heat, and movement. Music greets you at the Port-au-Prince airport. The humidity greets you on the street. Honking is communicating. There are no traffic lights, but millions of cars, trucks, motorcycles, and people. On a hot August day, traffic jammed up around the corner gas stations waiting for gas to arrive. There's a fuel shortage this week. Street vendors sat along the roads, selling everything from food to mattresses, car parts to window panes. A reporter from the Church News and I made our way up, up the twisty streets to interview Latter-day Saints around the city. Daniel Delva was our driver and translator. Oh, thank you. First, we met with Bernardo and Marie-Claire Jean-Jacques. They live behind a gate, everybody does, and around the same yard as other living spaces. A bright curtain is their front door, leading into a room where a picture of the Salt Lake Temple is the main artwork on the wall. Like anyone in Haiti, the Jean-Jacques family remembers exactly what happened when a major earthquake struck in January 2010. It was a crazy situation. It is a situation that I never, I never, never faced before. In, in, in a teeny moment, mm-hmm. we feel that things, house become to just fall down. Those, during those situations, the gospel bring to my heart peace. I said to myself, Whatever would happen in my life, because of the gospel, everything will be for my good. The promise of eternal families drew both of them to the gospel. I love my, my wife a lot, and I, I love my son a lot. I have the idea, only the idea, that I can be with her, with my son, forever. Is, I can say it is the, there is no price I can pay for that. There is no price. They were sealed in the Santo Domingo Temple many hours away. It is a journey that many Haitians have made, but it has become more difficult to get there and more dangerous. Sophia Lundy now lives in Utah, but always remembers the temple trips they tried to take when she was younger. It's been really hard to travel on the border and the money you spend, money that we don't really have in Haiti. You know how Haiti is difficult and the saints are struggling a lot uh, financially, you know. They don't have the means to travel that much, but they have the faith. And you'll be surprised how many times members of the church go to the Dominican Republic every year. Mm -hmm. And I was one of them. 
I remember I was when I was 12, I went there. One of the Dominican soldiers stopped us and said he wanted me. Like he thought I was a child, you know, prostitute or anything. He, he, he wanted them to sell me to him. And then um, my seminary teacher was like, no, no, we're a group of people going to the temple. And she explained. But that's, you know, that's it's pretty dangerous, too. You never know what's going to happen. Williamson Sintil as well has now moved to Utah after growing up in Haiti. Haitian used to travel like 12 hours to the DR and the bus because they didn't have the money to pay for an airplane. That's how hard it was. Sometimes we can't come back to Haiti because there is a government problem. And I remember I, I went on the MTC in Dominican Republic and right after MTC we can't come back because there was a problem. And we stayed for a few months and we finally were able to come. Sintil found the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints after pledging his life to God in the earthquake of 2010. He was in high school, and his mother got him out of school early that day and took him to one of the orphanages they owned. Then the earthquake hit that afternoon. I heard them screaming outside, yelling, looking for us. But we couldn't say anything because we were so tired. My voice, I lost everything. And the boy underneath me kept asking me the same question. Are we going to make it? And I felt that I need to say a prayer. For the first time of my life, I said a prayer. And right after that prayer, I felt someone on top of me, like someone, like a body, an angel. I felt that person. I didn't feel any heavy stuff anymore. That's the time that I had enough strength and voice to call out loud. And I remember I hear and my dad was the only one who heard my voice. Luke Sarim also lost friends and a nephew in the earthquake. We, we never thought that we would have uh, a catastrophe like this. And you know, some of us would live in the street. But, um, you know, our Heavenly Father helped us uh, comfort us. The church built Sheila Prevet a new home after the earthquake. Her home is behind another gate and on a hillside, down steps made of old tires filled with concrete. The Church of Jesus Christ of is a miracle to Haiti. And then the temple makes me happier I will do my very best to, to, go to, to be able to go to the temple. Many times people talk to me about peace, about the gospel bringing peace and the temple bringing peace. Marie Claire needed that peace last July when Bernardo could not get home for three days. There were demonstrations in the streets, which often happens in Port-au-Prince, tire burnings, riots and blockades. I said to myself, if the temple had been there, I would have gone to the temple and to feel peace. I felt like it was the only place I could feel peace. The temple will affect every part. Every part. People think, oh, the temple will be built when the prophet announced it. That's not true. The temple is built when the saints prepare, they do missionary work, and then they do all, all of those sacrifices, and I've seen it. Coming up next, hear from some of the people who helped build the new temple in Haiti and their testimonies of its purpose.
The dawning of a brighter day with Mary Richards on KSL News Radio. The streets of Port au Prince are crowded, flowing with people, motorcycles, trucks, and cars, and honking. But behind the gates of the new temple grounds, there is stillness. It's a small temple. At 10,000 feet, it's not even a tenth the footprint of the Salt Lake Temple. But the building is clean and bright. The palm trees are tall and straight. There's a story behind those palm trees. Landscapers Stratton and Brott from Pleasant Grove got the contract. Project manager Tim Maines and CEO Zach Stratton knew they had to meet temple standards. There's not a nursery that grows them, but we found a local guy that went out and he would find us trees and say, oh, that, that tree is perfect. So we'd go... We'd contact the homeowner, negotiate a price on his palm tree, drive the back home to their yard, dig out the palm tree, bring in the semi into the street, haul to the temple, then go find another one. Then there's curfews on the roads for large trucks, and so we would end up with a truckload of, of trees showing up at 6 o'clock at night during a rainstorm. There are no major nurseries in Haiti to order local plants. Because they were coming from the DR, our first start date was September, again, I got pushed to November, then December, then January. We went down in January, got evacuated in February, made it back in April. These plants have now been sitting for all this time, and we dealt with loss, we dealt with growth. We did, it, they were different plants at that time, and so we had to continue to source as we went through the project. And ordering sod was also a challenging experience. We went out and watched their sod operation, and they are literally cutting the sod out of the ground with a machete in one-foot-by-one-foot squares. And the church said, well, will you please send down the sod machines? So we brought their best guy, and then we start getting sod, and the, the dirt on it, typically sod comes with about an inch of dirt on it. And that's what we told them we wanted it cut at. It comes with an inch to three inches of dirt. And it comes in varying lengths. Oh, no. By the end, I think they'd given up on the sod machine because then we were getting varying like dimensions. Like pieces. Yeah. It was. A quilt. It a, was. A, quilt, a patchwork yeah. quilt of sod. Yeah. Mains shipped parts from Florida or brought back things he needed in a suitcase when he visited Utah. It was so important to get it right because they had to meet the high building standards of the church. Sophia Lundy is an engineer and architect who helped in the beginning stages of the project in her home country. With the temple, they took their time. They studied the soil. They, they, did, they went through every steps that were needed so the temple is well built. And even behind the temple, because that was my worry personally, because behind the temple there is a ravine. And that ravine has killed countless people every time there is a um, hurricane. We lost a family of nine people. They all died except for the father. They were in their home because of that ravine. Water came into their home and they all died. Like, oh, I just feel like it's going to be a blessing just for the people around it. And this work would, have, would never be done if the temple was not there. Utah electrician Howard Borst spent several months on the project. It was quite an eye-opener, that experience, because, you know, working with... Uh, in an area I've never been. And, and, and honestly, people ask me, you know, how, how was your experience down there? And I tell them, well, it was both wonderful and terrible at the same time, if that makes sense, because it was an eye-opener for the way people live. It was, you know, of course, you've heard all kinds of stories. And, 
And and honestly, a lot of the the dangerous things that go on down there, they they're definitely true. I don't know that we've heard anything that has happened down there that hasn't really happened because it on a day to day basis there are things going on there that we're just not used to in the in the United States. Borst and Mains each help hire or train local Haitians. And this, in turn, elevated those skills and resumes. They say it's always the goal of any temple project to do this as much as possible. It's really fun to watch the way Westland approached it because they hired, you know, from day one, which, you know, I was only there mostly the last six months, but they just went and hired local people and and start finding these guys that they can teach how to do something instead of just make them do labor. They, you know, they do the labor, of course, but they actually learn a trade. And so, I mean, I would say countless people came away with a skill they didn't have before and, and just watching. So kind of being a part of watching Westland train all of these guys and, and honestly, you know, keeping in touch with some of them after they've started their own companies of whether it be drywall or, you know, an all, all around construction company or framing, uh, it's been fun to watch these guys, you know, now that that job is over, start their own companies. And honestly, they've learned to do something that it just isn't done that often that, you know, the, the quality of work is 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 going to set them a little bit higher than than other com- companies that are already there in Haiti. But we definitely keep in touch and, and they're just such good, honest. And like I said, they're they're so happy, even though their circumstances are, are possibly the worst you could think of. I went down, we took down one of our supervisors and we took down one of our good leads and we hired the rest of our labor force down there mm-hmm. they were hard workers really hard workers but they just didn't have the the staying power i'll call it of our guys here stamina yeah mm-hmm. stamina a challenge when when zach says we're building something that is not found in this country we're building something that is it absolutely stands out you walk outside the front gate of this temple and you see mounds of trash, you see people in extreme poverty, you've got street vendors just across the street that they're there day in and day out because that is their way of making a living. Yeah. At times, Mains wondered why they were building the temple. When I had been down there for a very short period of time, already been evacuated once and was coming back for the third time, I was having a serious crisis. I wanted to know why we were building a temple in Haiti. Temple standard, from what I understand, is typically 25 stakes. Okay. Why, with a church population of only 26,000 people on an island that already has a temple in the DR, why are we building a temple in Haiti? This country doesn't, it's not ready for this. At least that was my point of view. Right. And I did some serious soul searching and fasted and prayed. And one day we were we were driving home. <laughs> and there's these little kids playing on the side of the road. And the inspiration came into my mind that we're building this temple because our Heavenly Father loves these children. And this is all they have. The world is forgetting about Haiti. They're sick and tired of Haiti taking a handout and not doing anything to step up. The Lord wants Haitians to know. They want his children to know that he has not forgotten about them. The result has been perhaps the most beautiful building in Haiti. I I always want to see whatever I see in other countries that are beautiful. I want to see them in Haiti because 
I don't know. We have a great nation, but we have so many setbacks, and we can't see that beauty most of the time. And the temple is a—it's like a testimony that anything great and beautiful can be built in Haiti. But a lot of time, people think Haiti. Oh, it's poor. Let's build whatever there. Like, let's not respect standard belt construction. You know projects like the u.s but in haiti oh let's just do whatever a mason is fine let's just and people's lives are put in danger but with the temple that's a real testimony that it doesn't matter if it's a, a country that's struggling but when you're building the house of the lord or you're building anything to benefit the children of god you do it right it, it's such a beacon of hope especially right there in that neighborhood that it just it just lights up like like you can't even imagine it's such a dark area. And yet when the lights are on of that temple, I mean, people just walk by, you know, we, we were able to see just while we were there, they just walk by and, you know, peek in and, and look and see. And, and it's just such an amazing, beautiful building that, like I said, it's just in that neighborhood, especially it's uh it's a one of a kind. In these foreign countries, they just don't have anything like it. Mm-hmm. And um, it really elevates the whole level of the city or the municipality where it's located and really can change the whole feel of a whole area. Coming up next, joy on the day of dedication. And Elder David A. Bednar promises the nation will be blessed. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Dawning of a Brighter Day with Mary Richards on KSL News Radio. Saturday, August 31st. An apostle came to Haiti. Hundreds of youth, ages 12 and up, filled a chapel in Port-au-Prince for a youth devotional with Elder David A. Bednar and his wife, Susan Bednar. The overhead fans were whirring as the Bednar spoke about doing family history and connecting with ancestors by preparing to take names to the temple. And it will be wonderful if you can take names of your deceased ancestors as well. So get working on that. It makes a difference when it's someone that you know something about. You should live with no regrets, so you will be worthy to be in the temple. That will be an indicator of how you're doing spiritually. Nothing that would prevent you from being in the temple, nothing that would make you unworthy to be in the temple, can bring you lasting joy. Sister Bednar also bore her testimony in French. It was something the young people here said they would never forget. Returned missionary Michael Paquette helped translate. Among the counsel I heard, the most important is, was about the temple, how we can how we, we can go and do baptisms, we can do endowments, we can do ordinance, ordinances for our dead and for ourselves. I felt edified. I mean, when I first saw him, I was like, wow, this is the greatest. And I really felt the, felt the spirit strongly. 
Every member of the church has a desire to see their country move forward. So, and that's what I want to do. I want to, I'm going to do. You repeated that a couple times. Yeah. Elder Bednar cautioned the youth not to become spiritually lazy. He expounded on that a little in an interview with me and the church news. We met the next morning inside the temple before the dedication. And is that a message not just individually to the youth of Haiti, but to all the members of the church? Well, my message about don't be spiritually lazy grows out of watching what happens when temples are established in certain locations. Uh, Oftentimes, the greater the sacrifice, the more depth in the devotion And when it becomes convenient and easy, then sometimes the devotion will wane. So it's just a caution. Don't take this for granted now because it becomes easier. No one would think that today, but in five years, we'll know. Earlier in the week, Mary and I had a chance to sit down with some some Haitian members, and they spoke about some challenges that they've encountered and how they're so excited to have a temple now because they said this will be our place of peace. What is it about this, this, this temple uh, that allows people to find peace both in an eternal sense and also in a very, very day-to-day sense? President Benson said that the Lord works from the inside out. The world works from the outside in. Mm-hmm. You don't come to the temple to hide from the world. You come to the temple to gain the spiritual perspective and strength so that you then can deal with the challenges of the world. So it is a place of supernal peace, which then prepares you to go back into the world and be stronger and more more purposeful than perhaps we were before. Mm -hmm. So any temple anywhere in the world serves that important function. I know yesterday you spoke of, uh, when you were with the youth, spoke of perhaps a wish in a perfect world if you had the time that you'd be able to sit down. What sort of counsel would you give that young man or that young woman who want to do the right thing and, and take advantage of this temple? My message to each one of those people, one by one, would be very simple. He knows you, and this is for you. It's that individual. These blessings are, are for each and every individual who will receive the ordinances and honor the covenants. I think many times people think it applies to everyone else, but not to me. Mm-hmm. And that's why, if I could, I'd take them and I'd hold them and look them straight in the eyes and say, no, it's for you. The message from him, it's for you. That personal ministry continued that day. It was Sunday, September 1st, 2019, the day of dedication for the new Haiti Port-au-Prince Temple. The choir sang as Elder and Sister Bednar came out of the temple for the cornerstone ceremony. Sister Bednar and I will begin... We'll take a little bit of the mortar and place it in the cracks. But you don't need to worry. Professional crafts people will come and finish the work that we only do yet. He invited children up to help with the mortar. The cornerstone is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his house, the house of the Lord. There were a lot of local members of the press there, jostling for good camera angles and anxious for an interview with local church members. Three dedicatory sessions were broadcast to the area chapels. Missionaries flew in from all over, missionaries who used to serve here, until safety concerns made the church close the mission to non-Haitians. Richard Bird and Ben Penrod came from Utah. We were able to come for the groundbreaking, which was really cool, but to see it actually finished is it's uh, beyond explanation, really. I mean, I don't know how many members were here when we served, but... I think it was a fifth of what there are now, 
and to see all the churches and the temple is just fantastic. The temple is, there's nothing like it in the entire country. There's, it's by far the nicest building, so when people will come here and then they take the niceness of the buildings, hopefully they bring that back to their house and their houses look better and their homes feel like a temple and they can create a, a better environment for their families. Just, I think that the church itself has been a blessing. I think the progress that you see in the members from the time we were here to now is huge. And the temple will bind those families together and it'll be impactful for them and future generations. It's going to be fantastic. The choir director, Richardson Jean-Baptiste, says his mother was one of the first missionaries in the country. Today is a great privilege for us to be here today with the temple on my back. This is an honor and also... I feel glad and happy. The sun is really <laughs> bright with us, and I feel the happiness of the, all those pioneers that works for us to be, to be here today. It was a beautiful blue sunny day. Blues and greens and gold colors of the island fill the temple interior. Palm leaf patterns are throughout, both for the palm trees of Haiti and the palm leaves representing the Savior. So many people had waited so long for this temple. Elder Bednar noted their joy when he asked the choir to change a word in the song they sang. The dawning of a brighter day, majestic rises on Haiti. Okay, one more time. promise of a brighter future for the country. The dawning of a brighter day with Mary Richards on KSL News Radio. Haiti is a country that has suffered substantially. They had the devastating earthquake in 2010 and then a cholera outbreak. It's one of the poorest countries in the world. There's government corruption, riots, crime and uncertainty. church is growing steadily here, with five stakes in a country of two million people. There is love and laughter and faith and hope. Over and over as I spoke to people about the new temple in Port-au-Prince, I heard that hope. My hopes for the future in Haiti is that these people understand the blessing, the offering that has been given to them, and that they utilize it. The people in Haiti need this temple. They need the blessings. They need every blessing that the Lord can give them and the inspiration to fix Haiti. Perry Brought leads a Child's Hope Foundation helping orphans in Haiti, and he travels to Haiti often from Utah. The temple is going to change the life of the people there. There's a, so this represents a lot of beauty for them and peace and quiet. And, and even if they don't go into the temple, they can wander the grounds and, and spend some time at the temple and feel a peace there and a goodness there and something right there that I can't help but think many Haitians will come just to just to feel that and get away from the chaotic uh, challenges they have in the streets and and in their own lives. Uh, it would be a symbol of hope for them, a symbol that something is right here and something is uh, right is happening on, on this spot of ground. Like, I know... Everybody will be blessed. My mom was inactive, has visited it, and I'm grateful for that. You know, I feel like she softened. And I have friends who are not members who went to visit, ambassadors, all kind of people who have visited. And 
I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be more than a blessing. It's going to be like a standard, you know, a standard work or a light so people can refer to the temple. It's like it is a new experience. It's like we're born again and that will bring blessings to our lives. The situation on the temple will affect first the member and after the, the people you are on. When we go to the temple, we feel the spirit. The life of the other, of others around us will be affected. Because we are good, we meet the other one, they will feel the love, our love. The, they can feel the spirit through us. Williamson Centille works with Project Arise, helping Haitians see their own potential. What we're doing right now, we are empowering Haitians people. We have Haitians teaching Haitians how to change their mindset, create a better life, and impact the community. And I feel like if Haitians can change the way they see themselves, Haiti will change. What about uh, this temple? The temple, it's such a blessing, you know. Can you believe that? The Lord's house, that shows how the Lord wants to gather his people. Not only build the kind of Haiti we all want to see, but also gather his people. Because we'll never be able to be where we are today if it wasn't for our ancestors. This temple will gather us with our ancestors. Elder Bednar made a promise to the youth of Haiti at the devotional before the dedication. The things that you know will change your life, your families, and this nation. The dedication of the temple tomorrow will bless you, your families, and this nation. It's something those young people believe and take to heart. First and foremost, stay worthy, stay on the straight and narrow. We're now the generation of the temple, and we have to take that forward. As a young woman in the church, as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I want for the, for young women who aren't members of the church, I want to teach them, I want to, I want to teach them the gospel. The, for the young women who are members of the church, I want to I want to fortify them. I want to strengthen them and keep them strong in the church. And the Bednars told me that this beautiful building of covenants and eternal families would change the nation. The people will be blessed forever having that tie to each other and to heaven. And they'll have heavenly help to get through the challenges and to have hope for a brighter future. I think uh, not only about today, but what this will do for the future of these individuals, of their families, and of this nation. As you travel to places where there's economic challenges, it's amazing how the temple uh, is a source of light, not only spiritually, but temporally. And so if we come back in 15 years, uh, this neighborhood will be different and Haiti will be different. Uh, the power of godliness that's made manifest through the ordinances of the house of the Lord blesses all people everywhere. And it's remarkable to see that. So on this day of dedication, I think not only of today, but also of the future and what this temple will cause to happen in this country. 
This has been a special hour from Haiti. Thank you for listening. Also, thank you to Church News reporter Jason Swenson, translators Daniel Delva and Michael Paquette, the Caribbean Area Public Affairs Office for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and KSL News Director Mark Juke for all the help on this project. I'm Mary Richards, KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM.